Hi there. Welcome to the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I have been a mentor and a scientist for 15 years, and I wanted to find a platform to reach more of the academic community than I interact with at my own university. My goal is to give you strategies and ideas for how to achieve harmony between work and life. Sit back, relax, and let's achieve harmony together. Hey there, this is Marilyn. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Calm Podcast. We are at week six of the stay-at-home order here in Pennsylvania, and some days are easier than others, I'm not going to lie. This week has been a little more challenging than the last few. Not sure why, nothing has changed. It just felt a little bit harder this week, but today I'm feeling a lot better. And so it's a great day to record this podcast. I have been debating what to talk about this week. I really wanted to focus on one of the chapters in my book on time management. I think it's a good one. I just finished it over the last couple of weeks, and I really would like to talk about some of the strategies that I've learned about time management. But during this very unusual period of history that we're living through right now with the COVID-19 pandemic, it just seemed like some of those strategies were not as useful as they are when we're in kind of the normal time of life. And so I decided to scrap that for now and instead to talk about something that is just a lot more relevant right now with what everybody's going through. The first topic that I want to talk about is comparison. I am seeing a lot of posts on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook about comparing how your productivity is with other people's productivity, how some people are getting so much done and you can't, how so much of the gender stereotypes that are out there are just being exacerbated right now and the gender disparity is growing even larger. I spent a lot of time thinking about this issue of comparison and I want to dig deeper into it. One of the other points relevant to this topic is that I've seen a lot of people who work in wet labs posting about how they're basically losing the entire year. That They haven't been able to generate any data in months, and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to generate any data for months, and so the year is wasted and lost. Some of these people are saying that maybe they should leave academia because they're never going to be able to recover from this. Some of these people are having babies, both male and female scientists who have babies on the way, and they're going to be on leave soon, and they already haven't been generating data, and then they're going to have maternity leave or paternity leave later in the year. And so the year feels like it is totally lost. I want to talk about that as well. First, I think it's important to note that a lot of people have lost the year. I'm not sure that being a woman or being pregnant has too much 
difference in terms of who has lost the ability to do experiments. Everyone who works in wet labs has been unable to do experiments since March, with the exception of people who are working on COVID-19 research. So a lot of people are out of the lab, not generating any new data, and especially for a postdoc, I am sure this is devastating. You only have a couple of years to generate your data, get a good paper or two, and then apply for faculty positions. And so my heart really does go out to the postdocs during this time. I do think one thing to keep in mind is that everyone in wet labs is losing this time to generate data. So any one individual should not feel like you are falling further behind than your peers because they too cannot be in the lab generating new data. I'm not sure that that helps. You know, you're in the same boat with others that is kind of a slow moving, not generating any data boat, but, but you are all in it together. The other thought that I had around losing the year and thinking that academics is not for you is that there are a lot of reasons that people lose the better part of a year. Um, Illness, loss of a loved one, just a bad set of experiments that don't go well. There just often are periods of time where we have a year that's not as productive as we might like. But a career is a long time. Most people work, you know, 30, 40, 50 years in a career. And so I wouldn't put too much emphasis on any one year, and especially 2020 being that year. We are living in a historical time that has never happened before. This will be a period of time that is taught in history classes in the future. There will be books written about this. Nothing like this has happened in the history of any of our lives. People are saying that this period will be akin to the Spanish flu of 1918. It will be economically worse than the Great Depression. It's like living through World War II. All sorts of comparisons with historic events in the past. So I think if 2020 is not a productive year for you because you can't generate data in the lab or because you're pregnant and having a baby or because you or a loved one fall ill with COVID-19 and it takes a long time to recover, I would not make decisions about your career based on your productivity of this one year. There will be lots of time to make it up later. Back to this other idea about the gender disparity gap being even larger because women are home taking care of kids and doing their work from home and they're 
spouses maybe aren't helping out as much at home, or maybe their life is looking pretty normal right now, even given the situation. And I'm seeing a lot of people posting about how they feel in comparison to how their peers are doing and in comparison to how their colleagues that don't have the same life situations are doing in terms of their productivity. I would try to avoid, and I am doing this myself, try to avoid thinking too much about the productivity of my peers unless that comparison is motivating to me. As I've said in another episode, comparison is the death of joy. Comparison can be a motivator for some people and it can light a fire and make them strive and work really hard. And other times comparison can be paralyzing and do nothing but harm. And so I think we need to be really careful right now when we compare ourselves to colleagues who are in different situations. So certainly kind of in traditional gender roles, the female takes care of a lot of household issues and the male works outside of the home. And so right now, if some of your peers have male uh, roles where they are going into work and things seem semi-normal and you are a female who is staying at home more, uh, I can understand where that might come from and where you might be feeling that that tension but i know a lot of males who assume the gender role of taking care of things at home it's it's not a gender role it's just who takes care of the domestic issues and who is doing some of the work outside the home issues and in many families both parents or both the male and the female or if it's a, a family that has two males or two females, both participants do things at home and things at work. And I'm not trying to say that there are not some people who are being really productive right now and living a more normal existence than some others. That is the case, but I don't think that that falls to a, a gender role. I think it's that some people are able to stay really productive during really hard times and other people are struggling with it. What I have been trying to do for myself and for the people in my lab group is to give grace and patience when we are having a hard day because some days are just harder. As I said at the beginning, I've had a couple of hard days, but trying to really push to be productive when I can and when they can, the people in my group. It is true that some people will get ahead during this time because they are able to be more productive than others. There are lots of reasons. They're taking care of their children. They're taking care of elderly loved ones. They themselves fall ill. They are the type of person who worries more than others. And so this time is just creating a lot more anxiety than they normally have. People who maybe don't have the best internet at home and so working from home is not as possible people who have young children who they have to support through homeschooling. I could sit here and list many, many reasons why some people can be more productive than others during this time. Rather than comparing yourself to other people, I would focus on comparing yourself today with yourself yesterday. 
What did I do yesterday? And what can I do today for today to be a better day than yesterday was? Some days it'll work and some days it won't. There will be days that just quite frankly stink and that's okay. We all have those days. But rather than comparing yourself to what's happening with other people and how productive they're being and what's going on in their lives, which in reality, you only know kind of the little bit that they show you via email or on social media or what they tell you. There are 24 hours in a day and never do we know what's actually happening in somebody else's 24 hours. We only know what they share. So don't compare your 24 hours with somebody else's or your productivity with somebody else's. Compare your day and your productivity with your own from yesterday or from last week and try to be a better version of you today than you were yesterday. And I think that level of comparison is the best that we can do, especially at a time like this. The next thing that I want to talk about is how we compare ourselves as parents during this time when we're trying to homeschool and work from home. I am seeing a lot in social media about all of the things that people are doing with their kids. I am also seeing a lot of posts on Twitter about how terrible people feel about themselves as parents right now because they're not doing all of the things that everyone else is doing with their kids. I think we need to take a step back and really think about what is happening right now. This time with kids at home is hard, period, full stop. It is hard. And the people who are not living it, who are shaming and judging and giving all this advice about the things we could be doing with all this amazing free time with our kids, just need to stop. They are not living in what we are living with right now. Now, I should say my kids are older. I have an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. And so in a lot of ways, I am blessed beyond belief because they are able to entertain themselves a lot of the day. They are able to do school themselves 99% of the time. They every once in a while have a small thing that they need help with. And so I am in such a different position from my friends that have kindergartners and first graders and second graders. And my goodness, I do not know how you all are doing it. It is hard, hard work. And I myself have even struggled, not necessarily with the what we should be doing with our free time. Uh, you know, I haven't had a, a conversation like this with, with my mother-in-law. She's actually been really great about sending, you know, recipes and things that my kids can work on because they, they enjoy baking and, and learning how to cook. And so that has been super helpful. But what I have been seeing are all of the people who are doing all of these crafts and learning new things with their kids and we should be using this time to help them grow as people and 
you know, they're going to become new people because of all of this time that they've had to slow down and spend with their parents. And, and I do think there is some truth and some hope in that, but there are days that I guarantee my kids have spent eight hours on digital devices between video games and their phones and watching movies. And I get on the internet and I see some things on social media and I feel such shame for letting that happen. And then I take a step back and think more about it and realize, you know what? Video games and being on their phones is the only way that my kids can talk to their friends right now. The only social interaction that they can have is virtual. The same as me. I'm having Zoom conference calls with my friends because that's the only way to have that connection right now. And so, yeah, they're spending way more time in front of a screen than I would normally ever allow. But it's their connection with the outside world. It's their way to feel normal. It's their way to get through this. And my husband and I talked about this yesterday our kids are happy. They are sleeping well. They're eating well. They're getting along. They're not sad or scared or anxious. They're just kind of enjoying this time at home. And I think part of that is because I am not forcing a schedule on them where we're learning how to macrame from 1 to 2 p.m. And then we're going to do this you know, opera video from two to three. And I just, I'm letting them be the driver of what they want to do with their free time. Again, that's easier for me because my kids are older and I totally get that. But for those of you with little ones, I remember that phase. It's been a while, but I remember how hard it is to keep them entertained. Please don't feel shame from the other people who are doing certain things with their kids. I really believe that some of us are wired for small children and coming up with and enjoying activities with small children. And I think others are wired for older children. I am an older child parent. I love the teenage years. I think it's so much fun. Even though they're difficult in a whole new way, I love this part of parenting. I don't feel like I was great with the kind of two to five or two to six year olds. That is just not my sweet spot. I find them very challenging. It's hard to keep them entertained. I'm just not crafty and creative in a way that they fully appreciate and enjoy. And that's okay. That's just who I am. So to the woman who wrote this post, you are right, and I am sorry that you are being shamed from someone far away who is not helping you right now. And for those of you who, it's not even someone else shaming you, it's yourself, and it's because of what you're watching other people on the internet do with their kids, just stop looking at social media or just stop letting it get to you, please. You have to be the parent for your kids during this time, and I think the best that we can do is for them to come out the other side of this when we start to get back out of the house and start to get back to normal, whatever the new normal looks like, for the kids to say, that was kind of fun being home for all that time. Or that was an interesting time. You don't want them to come out of it dreading 
being home anymore because they hated it so much because of all the pressure that you put on yourself, which then rolled downhill to them. Give yourself some grace and do the best you can. The last topic that I want to talk about today came about partially because of an earlier podcast that I did with Jason Moore. He and I co-host the Biomedical Informatics Roundtable podcast, and we talked about imposter syndrome. I recently tweeted about this podcast and said that I was looking for topics to talk about, and imposter syndrome comes up quite a bit. Here, what I'm mostly thinking about are when imposter syndrome creeps out because you realize that people on your team might be smarter than you or more talented than you in certain areas, and you're wondering how to not let imposter syndrome get the best of you whenever you are leading a group of people but don't yourself feel like you are necessarily the most talented in the group. I thought this was great, and this is something that a lot of leaders do struggle with because you want to feel like the leader of the group, the the one leading the charge, the one on top. And if you ever take a leadership class, you will learn that one of the best ways to hire as a leader is to hire people who are better than you. And I took a leadership class once, and what I learned is that it is best to surround yourself with a group of people who are all better than you. And that will elevate you and it will elevate the quality of the work that your team is doing. So it is absolutely the case that you should hire people that are better than you. And I have seen leaders who like to stay above the people in their group and constantly push their people down so that they are not able to elevate above the leader And those are actually some of the worst leaders that I've ever witnessed. You want people who are better than you, even if it brings out your imposter syndrome, which by the way, almost everyone has at one time or another. I've actually had this happen when I first started at Penn. I felt very intimidated by the graduate students at Penn. They are wicked smart and very talented computationally, they are able to do things that I, if I compare myself to where I was when I started graduate school, I hadn't even heard of a lot of the things that they all know how to do. And so I definitely had a day or two where I thought, oh my goodness, am I the right person to mentor these students? I was not at this level when I was a graduate student. And then I realized, but I am at a level to mentor them now. I worked really hard for 15 years to get to the point that I would be able to mentor graduate students at Penn. And so even though you do feel intimidated, I think it's important to take a step back and realize that you have years behind you, however many that is, that got you to where you are. And these people chose to come work with you. So while they may be smarter than you or more talented than you in certain areas, there is something that they can learn from you. You do have your own unique skills and talents that took you to where you are now. And 
while they might be more talented than you or better than you in certain areas, that's not going to be the case across the board. We all have our gifts and areas that we excel in. So what you want to do is focus on where you can be helpful to them and then where can you learn from them? There's this concept of peer leadership or horizontal leadership and we want to learn from one another. And so even if you are leading the group, if this person or several people in your group kind of bring out that imposter syndrome in you, figure out where you are able to elevate them and teach them and use that, you know, as to their advantage, because you want to do that for the people in your group. But then also pay attention to what areas they do have skills above you and learn from that. You know, there there's a saying that you become like the five or seven people you spend the most time with. And I think we often spend more time at work than we do with the people at home. Certainly not right now while we're working from home, but in general. And so you want the people in your lab group to be phenomenal because those are the people you're going to spend time with and you're going to become a better version of you when you spend time with them. But as much as we can not allow our imposter syndrome to take over, the better. I think you want to kind of try to kind of put it back in its place and realize that even if the other people in your group are more skilled or talented in certain areas, you do bring great strengths. And I think sometimes it's so hard to remember where your strengths are because because you do them all the time, you forget that they're unique. Um, This happens to me sometimes when I'm teaching something and I'll skim over a topic because I've been thinking about it and knowing about it for so long that I forget that it's not common knowledge. It's the same kind of thing with some of our skills. There's certain things we do all the time that we forget that they're not common skills that everybody has or everybody knows how to do. Remember once in a while to to focus on those strengths and skills and the things that you know that are not common and remind yourself that it took you a lot of work to get those skills and to learn those things and that's why you're leading the group that you're leading. So I'm going to wrap up. Those were the posts that I saw yesterday that really just resonated with me and kind of changed the direction of what I wanted to talk about today. I hope that they were helpful to you. I think we're living in a really unusual and challenging time, and it's so easy to get so spun up in looking at what everybody else is doing and feeling bad about what we're doing because we've never done this before. And Really, some days it just feels like, man, I should have gotten more done and I didn't. And I think that's okay. I think as much as we can avoid comparing ourselves to other people right now, the better. I've actually limited my social media usage and I know at least a few of the people in my lab have done the same. They've said they take took social media off their phones right now. So they have to actively go to the websites from their computer or go to the website from their phone rather than have the notifications come up about people posting because 
we do have a lot of time to just get onto social media right now, kind of in between other things that we're doing. And I think people are posting a lot of things to make themselves feel better, which I totally get. And I myself am trying not to do that because I don't want other people to feel bad about what they're not doing. But it's so easy to just look at somebody else's posts and say, oh, I'm not doing that right now. See, I'm not very productive because I'm not doing that. I've been trying to just make my lists of what things I need to do and cross things off the list. And if I don't get it done today, it goes on tomorrow's list. And that's okay. I want to look back on this period of time and feel like I got through it. I stayed true to who I am. Yes, I will get some things done and some other things won't get done. And that's going to be okay. So my hope for you is that you can find some some joy in each day. Do something good for you. Make sure you're keeping track of your self-care. You're eating well. You're sleeping. You're drinking your water. Get some exercise that's going to help your anxiety and stress and connect with other people. I know I'm, I'm rehashing the last podcast, but those things are so important. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Stay well, and we'll talk to you next time. You've just listened to another episode of The Calm Podcast. I hope that some of the strategies that I talked about are helpful to you in your journey through academia and life. As they say, it's not all about the destination. It's about the journey. Let's make it a great one. Until next time.